John, it's interesting when we think about curating our own personal stories to share with clients or prospects in our life. Oftentimes, I know financial professionals will say to me, I'm not sure where to tap into these stories. I don't know which stories are the most important. And it's interesting when we chatted with Tim today, one thing that really stuck out to me was he suggested we do a Google search of our decades. So think of our teens, our 20s, our 30s, our 40s, et cetera, and write those down and leave a little space on the page and, and start to think about some of those important turning point stories in our lives to curate that collection. And I just thought that was such a fascinating way of thinking about reviewing our lifetime. You know, it's funny, Julie, our friends, the researchers at the MITH lab often tell us that those stories, those events that happen in our late teens, early 20s, mid 20s, oftentimes really determine our worldview, how we think about things. And it was really interesting in our conversation with Tim Owings, uh, how that same sentiment was reflected in terms of assembling stories that can better align us with our clients. So with that, why don't we bring everybody in on the conversation that we had with Tim Owings? Hi, I'm John. And I'm Julie. We're the hosts of the Hartford Fund's Human-Centric Investing Podcast. Every other week, we're talking with inspiring thought leaders to hear their best ideas for how you can transform your relationships with your clients. Let's go. Tim Owings, PhD. CFP is the founder of TL Owings and Associates, and he's the author of a book called Cadence of Care. With more than 40 years of experience as an ordained minister and a financial professional, Tim teaches financial professionals how stories from their lives and the lives of their clients can transform relationships and practices. Tim, welcome to the podcast today. Hey, thanks, John. It's good to be with you and Julie uh, and to uh, share this time together and talk about one of my very favorite subjects, which is uh, storytelling. So, Tim, tell me, tell Julie and I a little bit about how a background in counseling aided you in your career as a financial professional. John, when I got into business uh, after Oh, 25, over 25 years as a, as a, uh, as a pastor of several congregations, I, I got in the business and began to do what all financial professionals do when they get in the business. They started calling people that I knew. And, uh, I would say to them, uh, you know, we haven't talked in a long time. Have you heard what I'm doing now? And people would say, no, what are you doing, Tim? You know, last time I heard you were helping nonprofits and churches raise money for various projects around the country. I said, yeah, I did that and until I wore out my rollerboard and, and my legs and decided I didn't want to fly so much as that. So, uh, so when I told them I was working for a, a major wirehouse firm as a financial advisor, they said, man, Tim, that's so much so different than what you used to do. And I would say, well, you would think so. I said, but really it's not a lot different. I said, it's at the, the bottom line of being a, a minister is taking care of people. And the bottom line of an effective financial professional is doing that. It's, it's taking care of the clients that come your way and investing your life in their lives and they investing their life. And of course their resources in what you can do to help them plan prepare for the future and manage their assets. So early on in the business, I learned that 
sharing stories from my past uh, that were what I now call turning point moments enabled me to connect with people in ways that may have had nothing to do uh, with a financial topic. Uh, it was uh, a moment in my life when a radical change took place. It could have been a health concern, something that my mom or my dad taught me when I was uh, at home. My first job, uh, when Kathy and I married and what both of us learned about living together and the ways that you compromise with each other and learn to listen better. Oh, that's so important. Um, particularly that listening component, John, uh, when you take, uh, do your training in pastoral work, you take courses in what's called pastoral care. And a big part of your learning is developing effective listening skills. And those listening skills then enable you to ask more questions so that people will tell you more about themselves, their story, their background, and really what brings them to this, this moment, this turning point moment in their life. So that's, that's how my background helped me to apply those very same skills in working with clients going forward. Tim, that's such a fascinating story. And I wholeheartedly agree about the power of stories in terms of helping financial professionals connect with clients and prospects. But I'm guessing that these stories aren't necessarily off the cuff in the moment recollections. Um, there probably is some preparation, maybe some practice, maybe even some role play, which I've long advocated as an underutilized tool in our industry. But could you tell <laughs> yeah. us a little bit about the process of curating some of these turning point stories? Because I know when when John and I speak with financial professionals, I feel like they they certainly have the stories in their repertoire, but they're not necessarily um, laser focused, prepared, kind of with that beginning, middle and end. And I, I feel like those mm -hmm. that are with us today listening might benefit from your guidance on kind of the creation and cultivation process of one's stories. Mm -hmm. Sure. That's a great question, Julie. And the, the, the best way that I've found to, as you say, focus on the turning point moments in my life that may be candidates for a story. Now, let me be clear, <laughs> not every turning point moment in Tim's life is a candidate for a story. I can promise you that, um, and I wouldn't share them. But what I suggest that uh, financial professionals do is to do what, what I would call a Google search on your own life. So go back and, and take what I call decade searches. So take a moment. I, listen, if you can turn the phone off, uh, get away from the phone, have a quiet 15 or 20, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, sipping a cup of coffee just, just by yourself with no external distractions, and jot down on a piece of paper uh, the words teens, and then skip a little some spaces, 20s, 30s, 40s, and if you're in your 50s, uh, 50s or older, and then go back and focus on your teens. I find that there are a couple stories that I've curated from my childhood, my unfortunate but really fortunate experience with contracting polio as an infant uh, was difficult for my parents, but it was perhaps the major turning point in my life that, that affected and, and shaped who I became. But at teenage years, we begin to deal with things like first job, 
dating experiences, uh, graduating from high school, learning to drive, all those teenage moments. And there are teachable moments we have when parents and significant others in our lives, like teachers and extended family, guide us, sometimes admonish us when we do something stupid in our teens. But then go to your 20s and say, let me look back in my 20s. And here's the key word. The key word is change. When did a change take place in my life in each of those decades? Uh, Will Storr, who is a columnist in Britain, wrote a book titled The Science of Storytelling. And he begins that little book by saying, every story begins with change. So note down in those decades of your life, your teens, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, what were some significant change moments that happened? And then reflect on those and say, okay, what happened? Here's the four components of a good story. What happened? What did I do? Or what did I fail to do? What did I learn in that moment? And then from that learning, what difference has it made in my life? And if you can wrap your story around those four movements in a, in a narrative, what happened, what did I do, what did I learn, what difference has that made? You are on the road to create your first turning point story that may be a candidate to work into a client conversation. Tim, could you walk us through that process with an actual story um, that is one of your stories? Can you go through those four steps? So a story that I tell in uh, the white paper that uh, Hartford has, has released titled The Power of Stories is one of my favorites because it was, it was a painful, teachable moment when I, was, uh, when I was about 11 years old or 12 years old. At that time, my older brother and sister were in college. Uh, my younger sister and I were still at home, and my parents were part of a bowling league through our church. One Friday evening, Beth and I were in the back seat of the car, we're driving home, and I heard my mom say to my dad, who was driving, Neil, we need to pull into the farm store, which was like a drive-through convenience store. We could get bread and eggs and milk and other things. Uh, they've got eggs on sale, and I've got a coupon. I'd like to take advantage of, uh, of that sale, pick up some eggs that we need, and we'll get, a, we'll get a half a gallon of milk while we're there, too. So as dad's driving to the farm store between the bowling alley and our home, I blurted out from the back seat, mom, do we have to buy everything on sale? Well, my mother was a child of the depression as was my dad. And let me tell you, that was not the question to ask Eileen Owings coming back from the bowling league with a coupon in her hand. And she turned to me and she said, Tim, your brother and sister are in college and we're having to watch our expenses. I don't want to hear any more from you about buying things on sale because one day you and Beth are going to want to go to college and your dad and I are preparing to make that happen. So let's deconstruct that story. What happened? Well, I'm in the back car with my sister. My parents are in the front, front, in the front seat and we're driving home. And my mother said to my dad, Neil, let's go through the farm store to pick up some eggs on sale. Now, I blurted out a very immature comment about money, 
And my mother responded in a direct but forceful way. And she was a very kind and gentle woman, not that night. <laughs> and, uh, and then she told me what I needed to hear. And then from that moment on, I learned something about my family. I learned something about myself and about the importance of planning. It made a huge difference in my life at 11, 12 years old. And I've drawn on that story and shared it with clients about how important it is to prepare for, college, for, the, for your children's college education, for retirement, for the purchase of a second home, whatever that may be. Tim, how did you take that story? You know, I'm thinking for a financial professional listening today, they might've just heard your story and thought, wow, I, I've had several interactions with family or, or close friends, you know, through my childhood that are very similar to that. But gosh, I never really connected that day in time about the coupon and the eggs or whatever happened in their particular story to sort of a life lesson and, you know, a mindset around money or preparing to save or any of any of those, you know, major um, economic type events that could potentially be a learning lesson for others, especially clients or prospects. How best do you think someone should go through the process of, you know, say they've gone through the Google search and maybe they've gone through the decades and they have these stories is it best to find a sounding board in your life to walk through the stories and try to connect the principles and the learning lessons? I'm just thinking if someone is sitting there with their own thoughts sort of in their own story, how do you sort of step out of that, rise above that and kind of look down on yourself and say, okay, this story is such a great example of the power of saving, or this story is such a great example of, of listening or empathy. Um, how would you suggest someone get started on that path of really uh, kind of curating those stories from from their Google search of their decades? Julie, the that that, that question is so important uh, for this reason. When you're when you're with a client or a prospect, you want them to be talking seventy five percent of the time, and you're talking twenty five percent of the time. One of my senior clients when I was in the business, by the way, he turns 95 this month, which is kind of cool. Um, he, he said to me uh, many, many years ago, I learned so much from this man, but he said to me, he said, Tim, have you ever thought about this? I said, what, Bob? He said, the happiest person in the room is the person talking. And I thought, oh, Bob, that's true. You know, that's true. When you're talking, you're particularly talking about your life and, and important moments in your life. You like it when somebody says, tell me about whatever, and you get to talk about yourself. Well, financial professionals need to be careful that with the stories that we're curating, we remember that the goal is for our clients to be talking 75% of the time and us to be talking 25% of the time because we want them to be the happiest person in the room. We want them to hear their voice and to be talking about, about their life and their needs. So here, here's what I suggest. All of us have what I call a list of onboarding or financial planning questions that we ask of our prospects and clients. Uh, tell me about your work, your education. Where have you lived? How long have you been at this location? Tell me about your family. 
uh, and where it's appropriate, you pick up that they have children or they don't have children. And then often when they talk about their children, if, if they do, their grandchildren, if they have grandchildren, will come into, into the focus. And then you ask about their job and about uh, how long have you been at this position? What made you change into this new job? And then, of course, we ask the financial questions. Uh, we get to that in a, in, a, in a learning conversation with a prospect. And we're always learning with our clients. Let me just stop and say this. Don't ever come to the position as a financial professional where you believe that you know your client. You always want to learn more about them. And they've got more to tell you. So here's how I, here, here's how I decide the stories to curate. I go through my list of information that I want from a prospect or a client, personal, family, education, business, health, are parents still living? If so, tell me about your parent, parent or parents who are living. And then I back into stories from my life that I can put alongside of those issues and say, Tim, here's a story about grandparents. Here's a story about your parents when they were alive. And you can begin to put those into the categories of topics that you want to discuss with prospects or clients. So when you get into that and they say something like, uh, well, my dad passed away a few years ago, but my mother's still living. And you say, tell me about mom. And they tell you about their mother. And then you say, uh, and they, you learn that mother's in an assisted living facility, or maybe she has Alzheimer's, or maybe she's struggling with some other health issue. Let the person tell you all about mom. Ask more questions about that. Where is she? How's she doing? How has she adjusted, et cetera? And then you have the opportunity, perhaps, to share a story that you've developed. In my case, it was about my mother's battle with Alzheimer's. So I could step in and say, I don't know whether you would be open to this, but I, I went down a similar road with my mother several years ago. And if, if you'd like, I, I'd share a little bit about what I learned from that. Julie, John, nobody ever turned me down. <laughs> they said, no, please tell me that. So I had curated the story about a parent because I was going to ask about parents. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Tim, I have a two-part question for you. One is, uh, right. it's certainly a little bit of a departure from the historic approach of financial professionals, which was, I'm the expert. All anybody cares about is my expertise, right? And it, which I don't want to mm -hmm. say is not important, but two questions. One, these stories that you're talking about are not necessarily about my value proposition as a business, correct? There, It, it seems like correct. you're talking about personal stories. And then the, the follow-on question to that is, is, are there any stories that are too personal? Like, is it possible to cross the line? And how do I know if I'm getting close mm -hmm. to that itch? Yeah, John, we, we want to always respect the other, the other, the other person as, as they respect us. And that's why I always ask permission to go there. You know, they've told me that their mother's struggling. May I ask a little bit more about mom? Would you be comfortable telling me more about mom and what responsibility you may have for mom, emotional support, financial support, or so forth. And people at that point in the conversation, John, you have built 
or you have begun to build a bridge to the other person. Let me, let me be very clear here. Stories work as bridge builders. They don't create the connection, but they create the environment for a good connection to take place. So as you're building that bridge to the other person and they're building the bridge to you, you begin to discover, is this person more open or are they more closed? And you then can test that as you go into other questions about family, children, etc. So my, my short answer is you're always testing the strength of the relation. Is the bridge, can I walk on this bridge yet? <laughs> is it walkable? And as you walk across that connecting bridge, you then find opportunities whereby you connect with people. Why is that important? I know our time's getting away from us. So let me just say this real quick. It's real important that the people we serve see us as human beings with feelings, stories, past and present struggles that we've had. We become more relatable when we do that. And people want to work with financial professionals that are more, that are as much about human life as they are financial concerns. Thanks so much, Tim, for sharing with us today how to sharpen your storytelling skills to benefit your business. For those that are interested in more information on Tim's guidance and curation of your own stories, please visit hartfordfunds.com stories to view his Power of Stories white paper, workbook, and presentation. Also, as we mentioned at the beginning, Tim has written a phenomenal book called The Cadence of Care. And you can also visit his website, timowings.com. And that's Tim O with wings on it, as Tim shared with me. So timowings.com. Thank you again, Tim, for all of your guidance today. We really appreciate having you on here with us. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Hartford Funds Human-Centric Investing Podcast. If you'd like to tune in for more episodes, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube. And if you'd like to be a guest and share your best ideas for transforming client relationships, email us at guestbooking at hartfordfunds.com. We'd love to hear from you. Talk to you soon.